podcast series. And also in conjunction with that, as we're recording uh, Laura Grenfell's testimony, we're also sharing this on our YouTube channel. So we're doing a, a, a dual uh, recording here. And so in today's message, we're actually going to hear the testimony of our sister in the Lord, Laura Grenfell. Now, Laura lives each day to serve the kingdom of heaven and to walk as Jesus walked. And, and as she has experienced a lot of highs and lows, today she remains in the true vine in Jesus. And Laura is presently serving the kingdom in Indonesia. This podcast is intended to capture her testimony as spoken from her own heart. To Laura, uh, please share with us what the Lord had put on your heart to share with us today. Good morning, Steve. I know it's evening there, but it is morning here in Indonesia. And I, I'm really happy to join you. Um, you know, I, I think I want to begin my testimony with uh, meeting you. Uh, I had just gotten out of prison. I come from a history of alcohol and drug abuse, and I had been incarcerated for two years. And that's where I, I really had a um, life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ pretty early into my sentence. So I had about two years just to uh, sit at the Lord's feet. I studied the word of God. I was in prayer. I really didn't have any uh, uh, shepherding, but I have the Holy Spirit. And I really feel like the Holy Spirit led me in that journey of healing and coming into a deeper knowledge of God and who Jesus was in my life, um, repentance of my sins. So much happened in those two years. It was, it was, the best and worst of times in my life, because obviously being in prison is not going to be any kind of a joy ride. But the fact that I was there with the Lord, it was the first time I really experienced true freedom in my life. The chains of addiction were broken. Uh, the bondage of guilt and shame that I walked in my whole life, the Lord lifted those. So I really did experience freedom for the first time. But when I left prison, I was kind of rocked, you know, coming back into the world after having been cloistered and, and um, so few distractions, um, coming back out into the world and trying to maintain my relationship with God was difficult. And I really had this um, delusion that I could walk into any Christian church and I would find my brother Christ and I would receive love and support and guidance and tutelage. And um, that's not what I found when I started visiting the churches. There were, you know, numerous that were rejected. I was rejected from when they heard my testimony, or they just were not preaching the gospel. And I didn't see how they were loving uh, others. I There was no outreach. There was no ministry. So I was really discouraged. And I, uh, you know, we know these godly encounters. Nothing is random in the kingdom of God. But I came across your book on Amazon um, to walk as Jesus walked. And I read your book and it, it profoundly touched me. It met me at all those places where I was struggling. And, and you know, I have begun thinking that it was me. You know, the churches must all be right. And there must be something wrong with me. Because here I am, you know, this 
felon who just got out of prison, whose only experience with God was alone with a Bible. So maybe I was the one that was wrong and the churches were right and I was being judgmental. And, you know, I was just going to have to find a church and go and become like they did. But when I read your book, I realized, no, the things that I was experiencing were wrong and they were not the way God ordained the church. And the church was not a building. The church was a people. And all these doubts that I had, um, your, your book spoke to them. And, and I took the, the offhand chance of writing an email to the author at the end thinking I would never have an author write me back, you know. And the next day, you wrote me the most beautiful, beautiful letter. And that's when I realized how the kingdom of God works. Because not only was I blessed, but you were blessed. Because in your letter, you wrote... You know, I was kind of having this crisis myself, wondering if anybody ever read my book, if if I should write more books. And then I received your letters. So I, it, it, it set me off on this journey of faith and trust that has not stopped since since then. And I'm not going to say that I haven't had trials and tribulations and I haven't had moments of um, despair and, and depression trying to work through just living in a fallen world around fallen people and trying to follow God. But that encounter took me down the narrow path when I was about to head down the broad. So I am so very grateful for, for that. And you have really been my spiritual mentor from that point forward. Um, I'm, I'm remembering when I called you and said, you know, I don't know what to do. I know the Lord wants me to be in full-time ministry, but I have no training. I just got out of prison. Like, I don't know how God's going to use me. And I remember you were really quiet on the other end of the phone for a little while. And you said, and I know you must have been praying whether you should even say anything to me about this or not. But you explained to me how your daughter was uh, a house mom at a faith-based homeless shelter in Maine. And she had just been diagnosed with thyroid cancer needed therapy and an operation and there was nobody to cover. And my heart just leapt with joy knowing that God was going to use me to, to do this. And we did some video calls up there. And the next thing I knew I was on a plane to Maine and <clears throat> moved in with your precious daughter, Sarah. And um, that whole experience was just knowing her still having her in my life. Her and I went through some real trials and tribulations, but we went through together. It's almost like God brought me there to help Sarah through um, some things that were going on there. Um, the next thing I know, COVID hit. I was back in Montana where my children are, and um, I I couldn't stand being locked down anymore. I decided I needed to become an essential worker, and I walked down the street to a truck stop and started making breakfast sandwiches there. And I did that for about two years, all through COVID. And that was, that was my missionary training 101 because that place was my mission field. Uh, by the time I left, people who were homeless or um, women who, who worked at night, they were, they were coming in and asking me for prayer. And this, this, this truck stop gave me like carte blanche they they would let me leave to go drive somebody to the hospital. They would let me leave to take somebody to the train station. They they knew that I was in the middle of 
ministry there in the truck stop. And, you know, where does that happen? How does that happen? That's all God. So I really feel like the Lord was training me up for the ministry that he had in store for me. Um, I began feeling the Lord calling me overseas at that point uh, to, to a people I did not know to share my testimony. What? But I kept hearing the Lord say to me. So uh, at the same time, my mother, my 75-year-old mother, started sharing with me, Laura, I, I think the Lord wants me to serve overseas. So I said, well, mom, let's, let's see how we do this. We're, we're both clueless, have no idea what that even looks like. I started sending out emails to different missionary organizations. And, you know, I would have that initial interview and be like, yeah, I'm a, a 55-year-old felon and my mom is 75 years old. We want to become missionaries. <laughs> and I got a lot of, oh, we'll be praying for you or... Um, that's probably not possible. Um, a lot of discouragement, but you know, having been through what I'd been through when I left prison, I knew that if this is what God wanted, He was going to do it. You know, so I just needed to continue to participate with the Lord, not give up, not stop. So I kept sending out the emails, and I finally got a response from YWAM, Youth with a Mission, in Tyler, Texas. And they were so welcoming and so loving. They spoke a prophetic word over me. They, they called every couple of days. They invited us down there. We went and visited. And as soon as we uh, got on the base, we knew that, that the Lord, this is where the Lord wanted us. So we spent the next six months um, in discipleship training. And we did our outreach in Jakarta, Indonesia. And... Um, I, I fell in love with the Indonesian people. I did not like Indonesia. It was hot. There was lots of ginormous bugs. I don't know if ginormous is a word. There were really big bugs. Um, the food was super spicy. The traffic, you know, I'm from Montana where we hike and we boat and, you know, we're outside all the time. And that's not what Indonesia was. Um, so <clears throat> I had no intention of returning to Indonesia. But I did madly fall in love with the college students that I met, the young children we did ministry with, and I maintained contact with them when I went back to America. Um, I just took a time of prayer with the Lord. I took my motor home. I parked by a lake and spent time with God and just got regrounded in the Lord and, and um, processed all that I had just been through. And in the midst of that, I received a phone call on WhatsApp from Indonesia from one of the college students that I had really grew close with. And she um, had been in and out of the hospital three times. And this is the first time I've shared this story, really, because the Lord hadn't released me to do that until recently. But she had um, been in and out of the hospital a number of times, and the hospital had just sent her back to the dorm with 105 degree fever telling her that she her appendix needed to come out but the state insurance hadn't come through yet and i was beside myself i i spent hours on my knees in prayer and i must have fell asleep praying because about four o'clock in the morning i woke up to the most audible voice i heard god speak to me um and i i, I want to share a little bit about god speaking I talk about that a lot, how God has spoken to me. And just recently, I've had somebody ask me, what, is, what does that mean? And in most areas, it'll be a compelling idea or, or, or something that I begin thinking about that's kind of random or, or not something that 
something that may be against my nature, uncomfortable. And so I'll begin praying about it and I'll ask God for confirmation and he'll bring confirmation into my life. And I always pray, Lord, I, I need a neon sign. You know, I'm slow and a little, I say stupid. So I need to know your direction in my life. I need to, to truly know this. And then I sit back and do nothing until I know that this is definitely the way God is, is guiding me. Because I've stepped out before not having that peace, not having that, that, that weight lifted off of me. And it's been a mistake. You know, God's always brought me back around and got me where I was before, but it's taken time and heartache and money. So now I just sit and I wait. And that is how I, I speak. But this time I woke up to a voice that did not sound like my own voice in my head saying, you take care of this. And I began arguing with God about how God, like I'm halfway across the world. When I was in Indonesia, I couldn't even get money out of a debit card. I had this money crisis because there was no access to money over there, you know, and we were all in the same boat. We, we hadn't figured out that element to our outreach. So we had money crises and we're, we're borrowing money from Indonesians that we ended up paying back at the college and things like that. So, you know, I knew how hard it was to do anything in Indonesia where there's no infrastructure. It's just corruption and chaos all the time. So I started arguing with God, you know, surely you don't mean for, for me personally to, to do, to take care of this issue. Um, but the Lord would not let it go. He would not let me sleep. I didn't rest. I finally called a professor at the university. I said, please go down and check on Agnes. Find out what's going on for me. Find out what the operation costs. Please get a hold of the hospital. See if they can do it. If we, if we can get the money there right away. You know, can you, can you do those things for me? And it was his first, he didn't know what was going on. Agnes had not cared. So he went down there saying, yes, yeah, she's really, really sick. Um, no, the insurance is going to come around for two or three weeks. In American dollars, it was $1,400 for the operation. I looked in my savings account and I had $1,400. And I guaranteed, I said, I said, Professor, I'm going to pay for this operation. Please just get her to the hospital immediately. And I will figure out how to get the money there. Um, a couple weeks earlier, I had been on a plane. I had been on a plane and I spoke with... Um, the gentleman sitting next to me, I ended up praying with him. He he had been diagnosed with uh, some form of MS that was debilitating, and he was going to get a brain scan in Canada. And he, um, thank you. I'm sorry, my neighbors are bringing me treats. They do it every day. <laughs> I'm so blessed. Um, okay, so I asked him if I could pray with him, and I prayed with him. And then when I was getting off the plane, he said, give me your WhatsApp. He said, I'm an international financial consultant. And I think um, I think I want to be involved in your ministry, whatever it is you end up doing. So that was a great blessing. I found out later he went and got the brain scans and there was no indication of any MS at all. Um, God had healed him. And so we. He became pretty good buddies and I called him and he put together everything that needed to be put together for me to get some money over there. And within like 24 hours, the $1,400 was there. So during that event, something broke loose in the kingdom of God. 
from that moment forth, I felt this urgency to get back to Indonesia. I knew that Indonesia was the place I was supposed to go. I knew that they were the people that God had called me to, uh, specifically to people struggling with drug and alcohol addiction, because that's, that's my testimony. That's the freedom that I received from Jesus. And I began reading about the drug problem in Indonesia, which is horrific. I did a lot of research. I started reaching out to YWAM bases to find out where I should go. Um, I ended up back in Indonesia four months after I left. I served uh, as a volunteer at the YWAM base in Maidan for three months. Um, I didn't know why the Lord originally brought me to Maidan, but it turns out it's the drug capital of Indonesia, and Indonesia is the largest Muslim country in the world. So for me to tell you that shows you how much the drug problem is is right here. And also the Batak tribe, this is where they live and they are Christian. They were, uh, well, they ate the first missionary that came over because he didn't speak Bahasa Indonesia, but the next missionaries that came over were German missionaries and they shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with this whole tribe. So there is a tribe of of Christians here from the Batak people. And that's who God has placed me in the midst of. Um, and just developed these beautiful relationships, these beautiful contacts. Things have happened over here so quickly. You know, I was prepared to come over, sit tight, immerse myself in the culture, learn the language, you know, just take a year during that. But God had already put a foundation in place because there are definitely things God wants done here in Maidan, Indonesia. So when I got here, things just heart started happening really fast. And it, it wasn't my doing, it was all the Lord. Long story short, through the midst of many miracles and much ministry, um, we, we, we go to the prisons, we go to the hospitals. And when I say we, the Lord has brought me a ministry partner. Her name is Erna. She is a uh, native Indonesian. She comes from a small village, she'll tell you. She's a widow. She lost her husband and her daughter uh, within 12 months. And when I met her, she was just desperately clinging to the Lord. He was all she had. Um, she was about to lose her house. Uh, her, her finances were non-existent. And she didn't share any with any of this with me. We just realized that we both had a uh, the same heart for serving the Lord. And she started serving with me by my side from that point forward. Me not realizing what a hardship and a burden it was putting on her life. She would not let me pay her. She would, you know, she said, no, this is ministry for the Lord. And she was just trusting God. And God has done amazing things for her through all of that. Um, her house, she was about to lose. I, I know you're going to interview her, so I'm not going to tell her story. I just want you to know when I say we, I'm talking about Erna and I um, in this ministry together. But we go to prisons, we go to the rehabs, we go to psychiatric hospitals. We minister in the junkyards to the children. We go to, we have an orphanage that we sponsor. Um, and, we, and we've been blessed with finances from back in America to put a roof on it and, uh, and build a, a, a whole dorm area for the kids and build bunk beds and buy refrigerators and God has just poured out his blessings on this orphanage in, in such a mighty way. Um, little miracles like my, my next door neighbor was completely robbed in the middle of the night. Everything she owned and 
And I just reached out and, and to the people I know and just asked for prayer. And they abundantly provided finances. We bought her a motorcycle. Uh, we've been able to help her with, with other areas of her life that she is struggling with. And I have watched this woman grow in the Lord in a way that is amazing. She's at my door asking for prayer all the time. She goes to Bible study with me. And before that, she'll tell you she did not know God. So, you know, those are the miracles that I'm most inspired by. It's the one-on-one encounters that God has brought into my life. Um, I just shared this with the YWAM team in Jakarta. I flew over there three days ago because my leaders and my outreach team, a whole new set of students was in Jakarta, which is a two-hour flight. And I, the Lord just said, you need to go minister and take some refreshment with them. And it, it really did renew my spirit being able to go over there and share and realizing how much God has done in nine months. But the thing that I, the Lord put on my heart to share with them was, you know, my whole life's experiences, um, the ups, the downs, the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, the salvation, the, the growing in the Lord, YWAM, the ministry in Maine, you know, all of these things, the, the drug addiction, all, all that I've been through in my life, while I'm looking at this ministry in huge terms, like knowing that the Lord is bringing teen challenge to Indonesia through this ministry, um, you know, the orphanage, the prisons, the Lord could have been preparing me to minister to just one person. My whole life experiences with God could be to reach just one person that God wants to to touch for the kingdom that, that the Lord is going to use in mighty powerful ways. I don't know. I don't know what this ministry is going to be. I'll only know when I'm in heaven. So every person I meet, I need to look at them like, this is the one, this is the one person God has prepared my whole life for. And I need to pour into them love and grace and, and everything that the Lord has given me to, to disciple them, to bring them into a relationship with God, because we don't know, and we cannot eliminate anybody. We cannot eliminate the person in the gutter. We cannot eliminate the woman in the brothel. We cannot eliminate the person in the prison or the person, you know, in the midst of their drug addiction, because I was all those people. I was that person, and God did not eliminate me. God used me and brought me, and I, I in turn, We'll use this ministry and this witness to reach somebody else. Um, so I wanted to share that with you. God recently put that on my heart. What's going on in Indonesia in this very moment, June 1st, we will take possession of this huge seven-bedroom, five-bath house that the Lord has given us to start a women and children's ministry. We will be bringing women in for a one-year discipleship program through Team Challenge where they will um, just learn to love the Lord, learn how God can take care of and break the bondage of life-controlling problems, where they will learn life skills, relationship skills. They will be counseled. They will learn job skills, get medical care. Um, it's a very full, holistic program that meets the, the needs of the women and their children. There's nothing like that here. We are the first uh, teen challenge to to start in Indonesia. They've been trying for 15 years. So I just, I really want to ask for your prayers. 
Uh, we would love for you to uh, sign on to get our newsletter. If you would like to support us, you can find us at Mission Indonesia Hope. Um, my name is Laura Grenfell. Uh, I think Steve is going to put all my contact information. I would love to hear from you. Any questions, please pray for us. Nothing happens in the kingdom of God apart from prayer. And this ministry was founded on prayer. It continues on prayer. Um, I want to thank Steve for the wonderful blessing he has been in my life. He is my spiritual father. I know God has used many people to bring me to this place where I am of use to the Lord. And, and Steve was just paramount in that area. So that is my testimony. I hope I didn't forget anything I should have said. But uh, it's what the Lord put on my heart. And God bless you all. Tuhan memberkati. Amen. And, you know, what God put on your heart is what we wanted to hear. And uh, I can't add anything to that because that's exactly what we needed to hear. Uh, truth is, yes, um, Laura's going to send me the information. And I'm going to post it in the description of both in the podcast and in the YouTube um, video so that you'll have it either way. Um, testimony is so powerful. And I'm sure that this testimony was a blessing to many of you. And truth be told is many of you have testimonies who are listening to this that you would like to share and her. So once again, my email address will, will be in the description. Reach out. Let me know. Because we are part of God's work, not part of our work. Everything that Laura shared is a miracle. And for me to even have met Laura was because of the Lord. That's the only way that we would have met. And just as my life might have been used as a blessing in hers, her life is definitely used as a blessing in mine. As she shared, she wants it to be a blessing in your lives as well. So each of us, we need to embrace our own testimony in Christ. We need to allow the Lord to use us to plant, water, and harvest the seeds of the good news of our Lord. So in closing, I'm sure that this testimony of Laura's has been essential for, for many of you who are listening to hear. Uh, for everyone who claims to abide in him, we must walk as Jesus walked. And I, all of you have heard that, and all of you know that, but you need to realize what that means. And that's why I asked Laura if she would share her testimony, because Laura is seeking to walk as Jesus walked because she's been given the gift to abide in him. And each one of us needs to embrace that. So as we learn to share our lives with others, we'll, we'll actually truly learn how to walk as Jesus walked.